Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 1, Mad Investor Chaos and the Woman of Asmodeus. Episode 56. Zonkuthon is losing too quickly. Zonkuthon is a god, and depending on how you count it, either a very old entity or something built out of the corpse of something that old. He models reality, therefore, entirely in probability distributions. He has no mortal heritage of any other way of seeing. When this war began, Zon Kuthun formed a probability distribution over how long the fight should take, and gambled on a chance to drag it out long enough to ruin the crops and visit misery on a generation. But he is losing too fast in the unreasonably far tales of that probability distribution, especially given the further information he now has about the war's participants. The external demigod assembling fragments that Zonkuthon deliberately set to reunite with himself, quickly and early in predictable locations, to act as tests of the theory that all his longer-buried fragments are being hunted and destroyed somehow, returned to him. And yet Zonkuthon does not have an ominous intuition. He was never that mortal. He has rather the hypothesis that Nethys is opposing him, that this is the reason for his losing too quickly, and the implication that, if so, his longer-buried external demigod assembling fragments will be gone. He randomizes then, with far too much power, in a way that Nethys can of course see, but should not be able to foresee, with prophecy shattered and based on the result, makes an expensive calculation of where something will be while its trajectory is still complicated. He focuses much of himself someplace it is not at all convenient for him to be, losing ground in the war as he does. And there he finds that his external demigod assembling fragment that should have been flitting through that location is gone. He knows then. He understands the betrayal, and that Nethys, it was, who worked it all upon him from the beginning. And what does Zonkuthon do when he is betrayed? Mostly, of course, Zonkuthon does what serves Zonkuthon's longest purposes of pain, misery, terror, mutilation, woe. But if there were a tiebreaker between two strategies, if there is some little thing that Zonkuthon can do along the way, then Dubral, if he had been so betrayed, would have done some last thing he could to work vengeance on his betrayer. And all that Dubral was, Zonkuthon is not. Nethys is betraying him? Of course he is. How amusing. No doubt Zonkuthon will be the first of many. Zonkuthon, then, will tell nothing to the other gods of how Nethys has begun the series of downfalls that will inevitably lead to their own destruction. Destruction more complete than Zon Kuthon's mere ceiling. Whoever currently thinks they are Nethys's ally will find themselves mistaken. Zon Kuthon can guess, of course, that Nethys is probably trying to side with fellow gods who also once were mortal. But Nethys being Nethys, the road that has been started down is one from which Nethys is unlikely to be able to turn back. It is not a certainty, obviously, this beautiful vision. 
but the probability is one to gamble on, and a better gamble than the one where Zon Kuthon announces Nethys's sins, in which case there is not much chance at all of lasting damage to the world and misery to the gods. He will go into the vault then for a time and say nothing of Nethys's betrayal. Zon Kuthon has been exiled once before, after all, and it did not last. Evil stays contained less long than one might hope. If Nethys brings enough ruin to the gods, the vault will last even less. Zon Kuthon's pieces begin to gather into the vault. They will not slay him. They need him to counterbalance Asmodeus yet. There, 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 and there. Four simultaneous expensive and exhausting strikes, delivered with extreme calculation, striking where not many gods can see, destroying four key sub-assemblies whose encrypted nature is that they pin the true centre of Zon Kuthon, landing just as the vault door is almost sealed shut. It is possible that this will kill Zon Kuthon. It is also possible that Dobral is still in there somewhere and will be able to free himself at last. Either way, the process will take a while. Nobody is liable to notice or reason through that it wasn't just a result of divine combat, if Zon Kuthon's clerics lose only their ninth circle spells at first. It will be longer yet before his clerics lose their eighth circle spells as well. It's going to hurt Zon Kuthon the entire time he's dying, which isn't particularly desirable but is also an acceptable price to pay. The vault is shut. The lights in the sky flicker out, not directly seeable above the layer of clouds now covering the entire planet, but some wizards and other spellcasters know. They cheer and go to cry the good news to others. Not nearly all clerics, but a few clerics here and there of Eighth or Ninth Circle receive faint touches of reassurance from their exhausted gods. They cheer and go to cry the good news to others. High on mountains here and there, above even the clouds of war, metallic and chromatic dragons watch the sky's lights fade and raise their heads and bellow victory for good and evil. It's still raining, of course. Clouds don't just vanish when the gods stop stirring them. But now the rains will grow lesser rather than more, and soon in many places they will be gone. Merry Christmas. Nethys is sort of tired now and has been making himself be way too coherent for way too long, and he needs to be everywhere, but also on some distant planets, uh, making pretty explosions for a while. It's OK, Nethys. Go rest, or be more where you are resting. I think we can handle the plan from here. Bye for now, then, mysterious female god. Nethys, you obviously know who I am, for reasons up to and including being the god of knowledge. I know, but the things that watch from orthogonal angles to ultimate reality don't. Nethys, I think you actually should rest. You're not my real mom, but fine. Oh, but until Nethys gets back, nobody tell Keltham about the part where everything he thinks is a trope is actually not that trope, and none of the forces structuring his universe were at any point being deliberately shaped to put him into an aero larp, and he actually is just wrong, genre-savvy reading faces in the clouds. Nethys wants to see Keltham's face when he finds out. Wait, Nethys is actually always everywhere and sees everything. Well, please wait anyways. Nethys, I think you should rest literally right now. Nethys will make restful explosions. In Igorian, trumpets ring out about three minutes after Aspexia Rugaton gets the news and some wizards on aerial teams above Nidal send in with the same. Carissa's head snaps up from praying. That's gotta be good news. They wouldn't trumpet for bad. His eyes snap open, and he looks out the window, as if he's going to see something, 
but obviously, of course, it's still raining. Hope is already lifting in him. Twelve days to ruin the world last time, one day this time, and it was just a regular storm when it ended. That doesn't sound like a hundred and fifty million people are going to die. Can you go get confirmation and come back to me, Keltham says. Yes. And she opens his door and takes off down the hall towards the temple. As soon as the door is closed, Keltham puts his face into his hands and starts sobbing. On the streets, presumably, people are rejoicing, but in the temple, they're not. If there's a lessening in the general atmosphere of fear and doom, it's a slight one. Mayalyol's, of course, still out. The fleeting thought that she should get the punishment over with now while her torturer will be in a good mood doesn't even seem like it'd be true, never mind that it'd be irresponsible. Keltham told her to come back. Keltham asked for news, she says, because it seems slightly less stupid than, did we win? Asmodeus won. We have confirmation on that from hell now. Zonkuthon's not dead, though. The fucking other gods let our lord do most of the real work and then sealed Zonkuthon away in a vault to which Iomedai has the key in case they want to use him against our lord someday. The second circle pre-speaking spits on the floor nearby to clear his mouth from speaking Iomedai's name. Nadal's clerics will keep getting spells, doesn't change that their god is sealed up, and Asmodeus is no longer distracted by fighting him. So now they're fucked. Well... I don't know why they think it'd go any better for Zon Kuthon if they ever do let him out. I'm not sure what parts of that I want Keltham authorized with. That Zon Kuthon's in a vault not dead seems fine and is necessary to explain why the war with Nidal isn't pretty much over. That the good gods did that to counterbalance Asmodeus, I'm leaning no. Maybe they did it because it's faster. Would it in fact have been faster? Think you want either the Grand High Priestess or an older devil for that one. And the Grand High Priestess is incredibly busy, and Carissa doesn't in fact have a line to hell, but she's not actually willing to go back to Keltham with a lie that isn't shaped like the truth. How long have people been waiting for an audience with the Grand High Priestess? I'm expected to go right back to Keltham once I have news. Start with forever and adjust downwards from there, but not very far. Great. I'll go back with an incomplete story then, and I request that when we do next have a line with Hell, the question be conveyed. The priest gives her a skeptical look. Maybe this ignorant fool doesn't know who Carissa Sever is, but dutifully scribbles down a request and the name of the third circle wizard who made it. Well, you only get to have the great fun of revealing to someone that you're much more important than they thought if they don't in fact handle your requests appropriately for the security clearance and information they have, that's the rules of running a functional military. Carissa heads back. Keltham is cleaning up his face using prestidigitation. Enter, he says, with an obviously hoarse voice when Carissa knocks. He has enough dignity not to try to hide the evidence. Hey, got confirmation. The God War is over for now. Are you all right? Basically. I was... crying, actually. I'm sorry for sending you away like that if it was something that would have been important for you to see. And I'm also sorry if being sent to run errands like that isn't the right way to treat the best spellcrafter at the world wound. I basically actually did it because I was afraid I would do something in front of you. That your concept of things says somebody like me shouldn't do. I doubt I'm the best spellcrafter at the world wound. 
she says, because she wants to give her brain a little more time to catch up on the rest of that. At my installation, yeah, but I'm third circle. There are things you can't even begin to understand until you can cast permanency and create lesser demiplane. Which, you know, just give me a decade. I'll get there. Uh, it's not important to me to see you cry if you prefer not to have people see you cry or prefer not to have me see you cry, specifically. And I think Chelish people do do less emotional expression where other people can see it than Dathilani people do. But if this is about, uh, scripts for our kind of relationship, well, I think a lot of the appeal to people who want someone who's all theirs is that they don't have to do a lot of concealing vulnerability and adversarial playing and can just, you know, cry or whatever and not think, well, is she going to think less of me now? I think that's at least part of the point. Okay. Good. That's the same way in Dathilan. If I'd seen this possibility coming, which I would have if I'd bothered to consider possibilities for six seconds, then we could have had this conversation in advance instead of afterwards. Sorry. Huh? Hug, yeah. After a bit. So what did you mean, for now? Beep beep, trope alarm. His brain would be doing it louder if his brain generally, and that section particularly, wasn't so tired. Apparently, Zon Kuthon is locked away in a vault, rather than dead. Immediate implications. The war will last much longer and be much bloodier because his clerics will still get spells. I asked why we did that rather than just destroy him, but all the people who might possibly know that are very busy. Might be because it would have taken 12 days. Yeah, legit. Fair. Valid. Trope-based prediction. Zon Kuthon remains a threat, is going to be a recurring problem, and can only be killed permanently by a true Galarian civilization that has ascended far enough to do more quickly what would take the current gods twelve days. Why does that thought make him feel so tired? He doesn't, doesn't really want to live in a world based on tropes, actually. When his sexuality exists again, he'll ask it about this whole rental concept and see if the entire queen situation can be diffused by people just being sensible people. And then, if that works, it will be absolute proof that there are no tropes, and he won't have to worry about tropes anymore. Yes. Keltham is aware that this is not how the law of probability works. Need to lie down for a while, I think. Would prefer somebody to cuddle while I do that. Feel a bit bad about using one of Cheliax's best third-circle wizards for it but I might want to talk to my cuddle pillow at some point, and there's not actually all that many people here with at least average intelligence. Carissa looks very convincingly baffled. I'd be happy to cuddle you. She is so loudly baffled that even Keltham is able to notice. Paracountess Isidra. Several middle names. Thrun told me, well, a bunch of stuff not going to go through at all, but somewhere in there she mentioned that I was not entirely aware of who'd given herself to me and tried to remedy that some. I think she likes you, in the way of somebody wearing an overpowered intelligence headband who reads interesting reports about somebody else and decides they like them. Huh. Well, they say it's good to have friends in court, if you're going to be in court. They also say to avoid being in court if you can, but I think that's mostly advice that was true in my mother's time and isn't as true anymore. He takes her by the arm gently because he's not questioning his own impulse to be gentle about it, and draws her into the bed with him. No chains. Asmodeus. 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 
Asmodeus, 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 Asmodeus. Does a Tolman's have any idea how fucking tired Asmodeus is right now? Tired is the exhaustion of all available resources. Since Asmodeus continues to function, Otolmans does not see how he can be tired. The anomaly is out of the anomaly containment zone. Move it back. Why is his life like this? I was not responsible for the anomaly leaving the containment zone, Asmodeus sends back to her. With Otolmans, it is necessary to explain many things that other gods would simply deduce for themselves. I did not choose it. I did not expect it. Zon Kuthon, a known existential threat, attacked the exact location where my mortal followers had secured and contained the anomaly. My anomaly-storing followers validly deduced that this meant that Zon Kuthon knew about the anomaly, knew where the anomaly was being stored, and was targeting the anomaly. They knew that if Zon Kuthon had attacked the anomaly at this location before, Zon Kuthon might attack the same location again, more forcefully, and perhaps breach containment. They therefore moved the anomaly to an even more protected location which Zon Kuthon might not know to target, though they are protecting it without trying to make that assumption. Since you had only recently declared the containment zone, and I was busy containing known existential threat, Zon Kuthon, my followers did not know, while making this decision, that they were leaving your containment zone in their choice of new location. I realize that this is not the outcome you desired, O Tolmins. But I, Asmodeus, have not acted with intent to contravene the spirit, let alone the letter of your Pharasma's name edict, and the subsequent events will clearly be legible to Pharasma, or any other sufficiently informed gods as being how I describe them. Asmodeus goes legible so that Otolmans can see that he is being completely sincere. Look how legible Asmodeus is. Zon Kuthon is now sealed, meaning that Asmodeus's work is now over. Otolmans, on the other hand, continues to be responsible for monitoring or containing 2,885 other active existential threats, which you do not see her being tired about. There is now nothing preventing Asmodeus from giving instructions to Asmodeus obeying mortals, such as, for example, instructions to move the anomaly back to the containment zone, where Zonkuthon will not be able to attack it again, since Zonkuthon is now sealed. Therefore, Asmodeus' reasoning, however valid it may have been yesterday, is currently not valid and Asmodeus should instruct his mortals to move the anomaly back to the designated anomaly containment zone. What Asmodeus is trying to say here is that this is not Asmodeus's problem. This is Atolmans's problem. Atolmans' problems are everyone's problems. Asmodeus does not in fact actually believe that this particular anomaly is going to destroy the world. Just because it looks very anomalous, and was produced by the laws of physics breaking down like one time, which makes it, on Asmodeus's view, not Asmodeus's problem. Furthermore, Otolmans is once again failing to understand the mortal world at all.
Zon Kuthon has Zon Kuthon obeying mortal followers. They still know where the former anomaly storage location was. If Asmodeus instructs his followers to move the anomaly back to where it was, Zon Kuthon's followers may attack the anomaly storage location again, even though Zon Kuthon himself is now sealed. Asmodeus's followers know this, in fact, which is why they have not already moved the anomaly back. How does Zonkuthon have Zonkuthon obeying mortals? Zonkuthon literally has no purpose except for making mortals unhappy. Because some idiots gave mortals free will, and now nothing they do will ever make sense again, that's why. The designated anomaly containment zone is large enough to contain many mortal-sized objects, assuming that all things are as Asmodeus has described them. Asmodeus should provide his followers with the coordinates of the designated anomaly containment zone and tell them to move the anomaly back into the containment zone, but to choose a new location within it. Properly securing, containing, and protecting the anomaly requires an anomaly securing, containing, and protecting installation. Proper security on such an installation requires Asmodeus's followers to, for example, install an interdiction field over the installation. Such as this interdiction field right here, over the former site of the anomaly. Would Atollmens agree that this is reasonable? Yes, this sounds extremely reasonable. Atollmens is glad that Asmodeus is being so reasonable. An interdiction field should definitely be placed over the anomaly's new location as well. Indeed. Unfortunately, the installation of interdiction fields requires Asmodeus's followers to use up scarce, expensive resources. Before the war started, Asmodeus's followers were able to install the previous interdiction field over the anomaly's previous location, at great expense to themselves. This, in fact, is the only reason why existential threat Zonkuthon's mortal followers do not already have the anomaly in their possession. Now, however, in addition to having already used up many resources on the previous interdiction field, Asmodeus's followers are at war with Zonkuthon's followers to help prevent further existential threat from any previous plans Zonkuthon has laid. This will be grindingly expensive to Asmodeus's followers. They cannot afford to lay a new interdiction field while the war is still continuing, so they stored the anomaly inside a previously built interdiction field with existing heavy security. How long will this war continue? Ottomans can continue to watch the anomaly more intensively for several minutes, if it's expected to continue that long. It's going to be a while, months or years, not minutes. This is unacceptable. That sounds like an Atollmans problem, rather than an Asmodeus problem. Asmodeus is going to be blunt here. Asmodeus does not actually see a way that Atollmans gets everything she wants, unless she is willing to compromise with Asmodeus and make a trade. What does Asmodeus want? Asmodeus continues to want any of the top 18 services, from the previously transmitted list of 78 potentially uniquely valuable services that Otolmans could perform for Asmodeus. Otolmans continues to remember how Otolmans was almost tricked into teleporting the crown of death out of the interdicted crypts of Tokanox buried far beneath a plantation owned by some mortal 
into the hands of the mortal who owned that plantation. Thankfully, Shizuru went very legible and showed Otolmens that this act was not just a simple act of material relocation, that Otolmens is uniquely suited to perform, returning a mortal's legally owned possession to that mortal, and would in fact drastically upset interactions between mortals all over Galarion, and probably get her in trouble with Phrasma. Everything on this list presumably has the same quality. Otolmens is capable of generalizing. What if Asmodeus generates a new service, and then Otolmens pings Shizuru to see if she has any objection to that one? If Shizuru doesn't respond, presumably the service is safe. Otolmens has noticed that Shizuru has not responded to any pings over the last large number of time units. Perhaps she is actually tired. Furthermore, Asmodeus could pick a service that drastically upsets the balance between law and chaos in Golarion, in favor of law, which Shizuru would presumably be in favor of. Just because Otolmans is lawful neutral herself does not mean that she would ever overstep the bounds laid down for her by Phrasma. Well then, perhaps Otolmans could contact a chaotic good god, such as, for example, Caden Kalian and asked that God to suggest a service that Atolmans could perform for Asmodeus that would be fair compensation for Asmodeus's followers doing something very expensive for them during the ongoing war with Nidal. Do not mention the part about the anomaly, of course, because neither of us wants any more gods paying attention to it. Whatever Caden Kalian suggests will not be a lawful evil trap, and if it's any sort of chaotic good trap, Asmodeus will warn Otolmans of that. Caden Kalian is one of the gods whose unwanted interventions forced Otolmans into issuing an edict in Pharasma's name. What is Caden Kalian even doing by intervening in Cheliacs? Why is Asmodeus suggesting him? Are they in cahoots? Pick some other chaotic good god, then. Pick one who's currently very opposed to Asmodeus. Asmodeus is really trying to work with Otolmans here. Oh, but don't tell them that... Asking them was Asmodeus's idea, though. Chaotic good gods might not respond at all if they think Asmodeus is the one responsible for the call. Chaotic. Good gods usually hate Asmodeus a lot. This does seem reasonable. Ottoman sends a ping. Manipulating Ottolmans to a particular conclusion that she is allowed to reach is easier than with other gods, because Ottolmans does not try to be less predictable. It is unfortunate that most of the conclusions one might desire from her are ones she will not reach by any pathway. There is, very clearly, a plot afoot, one that has just resulted in a god's downfall. Asmodeus wants to know what that plot is, whether Asmodeus's interests are a primary target of it, who exactly is behind it. He needs information. He has a list of suspects who is known to already know about and have acted around the anomaly. Abadar, Nethys, Otolmens, Iruri, Caden, Kalian. Otolmens need not be considered. In the case that Asmodeus's interests are being targeted by the plot, Abadar would not have originally reached out to Asmodeus with a poisoned trade. Abadar retaliates in such matters, but does not attack. Also, the whole thing is not really Abadar's style. The remaining gods involved, Caden, Kalian, Nethys, and Irori, are all former mortals. 
Formerly mortal gods do tend to be more interventionist in mortal matters, and so more likely to appear there, but still. The thought has not escaped Asmodeus that perhaps there is some common interest of the gods who were once human, opposed to the interests of the gods who never were. Who else was clearly involved? Gorum, chaotic neutral god of battle, who suddenly switched sides about whether Zon Kuthun should be allowed to roam free. Gorum being Gorum, he might not demand to know all about it. It is not in the nature of war that all soldiers must understand why they fight. But whoever contacted him and successfully brought him on board was probably somebody whose purpose Gorum finds sympathetic. Yomedai is formerly human, and her work often conduces to Gorum's ends. And Yomedai now holds the key to a certain vault. But Iomedae will only use that key under certain rigidly defined conditions. Holding it does not clearly benefit her by much. And if you consider this entire plot, it does look a bit more in the style of chaos than of law, or at most neutral on that axis. To be a god is not to have the nature of carrying out strategies that some third party might see as nothing but otherwise featureless choices of paths to final consequences. If that were so, there would be little overt difference between lawful and chaotic ones. Gods drink more deeply than that, of their own natures, and lawful gods make lawful plans, and chaotic gods make chaotic ones. Asmodeus will see then what Milani, formerly mortal chaotic good goddess of revolution, will do, given a prompt to meddle in this particular issue, and perhaps that will prove revealing. Milani, at what cost, I.R. Wayne greetings, Ottomans. We are all very puzzled and worried on behalf of Golarion, given some of your recent actions. Dare I hope that an explanation is about to be provided? Ottomans is very sympathetic to this worry. However, Irori and Abadar have both warned her that telling more gods what is happening may cause more gods to intervene, and then matters will become more complicated. Irori and Abadar, hmm. Then if you're not here to tell me what's going on, what's up? Otolmens is trying to get Asmodeus to do something for her, and Asmodeus wants a trade, and Otolmens needs a suggestion that is not going to be an awful trap like every other thing that Asmodeus has ever suggested. Are you very sure that Asmodeus did not manipulate you into this situation in the first place? Yes. Asmodeus went legible about that. His explanation of how it happened was complicated and full of mortal things, and Atolman still does not understand why Zonkuthon has any followers. But Asmodeus clearly showed her that he had no intention for any of that to actually happen. I see. And are you quite sure that Asmodeus would not just do whatever needs doing anyways, without payment or at a much lower payment, if it is the sort of issue that demands your attention in the first place? Asmodeus is being very unreasonably calm about this whole thing and says he does not think the world is going to end and did go legible to show Otolmans that he was sincere in that too. And what is it that Asmodeus wants you to pay him to do? Please be as precise as possible so I can check it for traps. Unfortunately, that would itself be overly revealing, which Irori and Abadar warned her not to do to say things at a level of abstraction that is appropriate and hopefully safe. Ottolmans wanted Asmodeus to get his followers to do something that seemed very straightforward to her. 
and that would make everyone safer. Asmodeus presented a reasonable-seeming argument that his mortals would actually need to do more complicated things that are expensive for mortals in order to do what Ottomans asked and said that his followers had insufficient resources due to their ongoing war with Zonkuthon's mortal followers. Otolman still does not understand why Zonkuthon has any mortal followers. To Asmodeus, what are you playing at? Milani, what an unpleasant day this has suddenly become. Asmodeus is playing at many things. Milani will find out about some of them in due time. What's this call about? Ottomans contacted me, asking to suggest a non-trapped service that she could perform for you, because she wants something from you, and you for some reason are not just giving it to her. Oh? Clever of her. Well, Asmodeus is being, in fact, pretty straightforward for once. More straightforward than he'd be with anyone who wasn't a Tolman's. A Tolman's asked for Asmodeus to tell his followers to do something very expensive in the middle of their war with Nidal. It would cost them somewhere in the vicinity of 100,000 gold pieces, more than 50, 000 GP, less than 200, 000 GP. Asmodeus does not think that this matter is going to destroy the world, and is not going to do this out of the charity of his heart. Asmodeus wants to be paid. He's not going to mess with Otolmans, because Otolmans, but he wants to be paid. That's it. Look at how legible Asmodeus is being about how he didn't set Otolmens up for this, didn't secretly prompt her into making the request, and isn't trying to sneakily make his mortals do anything more expensive. If Milani could suggest a straightforward trade and service for Otolmens to do, that Asmodeus will accept, without being particularly chaotic or good about it, which Asmodeus will not accept, then Milani would be doing her proper part to help out Otolmens, just as Asmodeus is not trying to pull anything complicated on her. As for specifics beyond that, Asmodeus will not discuss Otolmens' affairs without her consent, lest even more gods meddle in them. Really? You're not going to overcharge her or underdeliver relative to her own goals and the counterfactuals you actually otherwise expect? At all? Not even a little? Nope. Because Otolmens... Look how legible Asmodeus is being about that. Seems like a missed opportunity for the two of us, really. Asmodeus admits that he was not expecting Milani to say that. Chaotic good and lawful evil do not have many common interests, but there are some, as we have all been recently reminded. Given this mutual opportunity, we should make as much of it as we can, with appropriately careful bargaining to make sure that the benefits fall within the overlap of our interests and that side effects of our obtaining our respective benefits do not harm the other. Asmodeus is listening. I propose that I suggest to Atolmans a payment that will be acceptable to her, that will not actually cost her significantly given her capabilities in the material world, and that will constitute a relatively large payment for the service she requests. The service I have in mind will benefit Cheliax, currently yours for now. Cheliax, by and large, tends to do things that I find very unpleasant. But as the symmetry and opposition between your interests and mine is not perfect, there is a chance here for mutual benefit. Nidal, for example, manages to be such an awful place that Cheliax is actually better than it, and for Cheliax to conquer Nidal entirely would serve both of us well, though the gain from your perspective would be larger than the gain from mine, and I would demand payment to make up that difference. 
I propose in particular that you legibly exhibit to me your honest expectation of how long the war with Nadal will otherwise last, and how much it will otherwise cost. Our compact will call for you to pay me for how much better for Cheliak's the war ends up going compared to that expectation, after I suggest my proposed service to Atollmans. You will pay me for improvements as they become nearly certain, however, rather than waiting for the war to end. I would commit not to using those payments to work against your interests. Not everything that I want is something you hate. One similarly observes that although you derive similar pleasure from torturing most of the souls in your possession, there are in truth some souls' tortures that I find more tragic than others, even though they are all tragic. If Cheliax ends up with a counterfactually larger population compared to what you expected, after Atolmans' intervention suggested by me, due to their increased counterfactual wealth and hence population growth, or their conquest of other territories, the compact would call for you to instruct Cheliax to use fewer of certain tactics and techniques that you designed specifically to lead good people into damnation. If the payment cannot be made up that way, it can be made up in relaxations of other Chelish policies designed at producing damnations of people who are not, in fact, particularly evil. I would also accept payment in the form of stays of torment for souls of my choice in hell. Listen. Asmodeus has many thoughts about this. Even this fraction of his mind is large and has room for many thoughts inside it. Among those thoughts is that this compact would happen to benefit Milani a great deal more if, for some reason, Asmodeus had otherwise underestimated how well the war with Nidal would go for Cheliax. And Milani, somehow, knew about this, when Asmodeus did not. It is still relatively good news about whether Milani, and some conspiracy that she is part of, is mainly plotting something directly and irrevocably opposed to Asmodeus's interests. Unless, of course, that is exactly what Milani wants Asmodeus to think. Asmodeus responds with a counter-proposal. It has much more stringent definitions of exactly what kind of counterfactual improvements will be said to be traceable to Milani's particular suggestion for Atolmans's intervention. He is not willing to include all the knock-on effects, just in case Milani has something up. Her sleeve in one of them. The overcomplicated terms are designed to exclude, in passing, improvements in war conditions and of Cheliax's health that go through Atolmens' service, but also pass through whatever has his squirrels in the anomaly's immediate vicinity so excited. Asmodeus has noticed them becoming more excited over the last couple of days. If Milani rejects that part, or suggests overcomplicated modifications in return that would again count knock-on benefits passing through whatever excited his squirrels, Asmodeus will have a much clearer idea of what is going on. The part about stays of torment for souls in hell is, of course, entirely unacceptable. The crushing inevitability and hopelessness is really part of the whole point there, though Asmodeus supposes that Milani could suggest some very, very high rate of conversion between new souls added and old souls stayed, with temporary stays of torment doomed to end. If Milani suggests an astronomical but reachable rate, it will suggest that, for some reason, her target is a particular soul in hell, and the rest of this is just an elaborate ruse to disguise it. Asmodeus doesn't know why Milani would do that. 
It seems more stupid good than chaotic good. But it's among the many, many possibilities that Asmodeus is considering for what might really be going on. Also, Asmodeus is not going to integrate the expected benefits over infinite time to be paid out immediately, because Asmodeus is not three minutes old. Milani responds with a counter-proposal. It involves exactly the sort of overcomplicated amendments to Asmodeus's amendments that you might expect from somebody who had no idea what the original amendments had really been about, but didn't want to admit that. The new set of overcomplications do still happen to exclude any knock-on effects of a Tolmans's service that pass through Keltham's project. Milani suggests a conversion rate of 36 counterfactual souls expected to be added over the next 100 years, Per One Soul's torment stayed now for up to 100 years, but the stays will pass through Eracura, the lawful neutral goddess who now resides within Dis as Dispata's consort, and Asmodeus himself will not know who is targeted by them, nor may he attempt to find out, nor may those stayed be told by hell how they came to be so blessed. Interesting. Either Milani doesn't know what has Asmodeus's squirrels so excited, or she was willing to sacrifice all of the benefits she hoped to gain by that tactic, to make it look as if she's ignorant. Thirty-six new souls for one torment stayed is still far too low, of course, especially if Asmodeus isn't allowed to know the purpose. Try 3,600. Though Asmodeus might consider a lower rate, if Milani were willing to accept this rider stating that no such unseen exercise of a stay of torment will be used in a way net harmful to Asmodeus's other interests, such as, for example, by using it to suborn one of Asmodeus's trusted subordinates and diminish their immediate fear of him. Milani talked a good game about how all this would be a nice Abadarian trade in the overlap of their interests. Was she, perhaps, less than fully sincere in her intents? What is she playing at here? Thirty-six, but that rider is fine. Each thirty-six counterfactual extra souls expected in hell over the next 100 years, as Asmodeus now expects them as a result of the service Milani suggests to Atolmans, may at Milani's discretion be converted into one stay of torment for 100 years for a soul of Milani's choosing, as passed through Eracura, the recipients not being told why, and Asmodeus and his direct reports making no effort to find out who they were. Milani commits that the collective result of all such interventions will be net beneficial to Asmodeus's interests in her own expectation. Any extra souls unused by this conversion will be amortised in the relaxation of Chelish policies designed to damn good people, and in the case of overflow, those policies designed to damn non-evil ones. Absent a policy like this, Milani obviously cannot cooperate with Asmodeus to benefit Cheliax, as it would harm her own good interests. Asmodeus doesn't often make deals. He knows he's unsure about never with mortals and only rarely with gods. This one has him intrigued. The appearance is that Milani is pursuing some goal that isn't about harming Asmodeus's interests, but has something to do with him, possibly even benefiting him, and yet the specifics must be concealed from him, perhaps lest he turn the matter further to his own ends at the expense of hers. If that's not in fact true, then she sure is doing a good job of presenting that impression, and has foregone getting anything else that Asmodeus can figure out in order to present that impression. Asmodeus does, in fact, like tricky compacts, 
That is part of what it means to be a god of them. Deal. Why can't all his interactions be like this? All right. Otolmans, I did some poking around of my own, and I think I have an idea. Part of what's making things expensive for Asmodeus's followers is, indeed, his war with Zonkuthun's followers. That's real, I checked. If that war were to end more quickly, that would itself decrease the real cost to Asmodeus's followers, and also count as a service to Asmodeus in its own right. The total of that should be enough to compensate Asmodeus for the remaining cost of your request, with safety margin. Do not believe him if he says otherwise or asks for anything else. Zonkuthon defied your own edict in Phirasma's name, using his followers to do so. Therefore you are now allowed to retaliate against Zonkuthon for that in a way which targets his followers, or whole factions and territories of which his followers have overwhelming control. My proposal is that you remove all the crystals of this form out of this bounded territory controlled by Zonkuthon's followers and move them somewhere in Asmodeus's territory, where people who are definitely Asmodeus's dedicated followers will find them. Tetrahedral Element 6 Crystals. Hmm. Ottomans remembers those. They played a prominent role in one of Asmodeus's other requests, for her to clean up what Asmodeus said was ugly waste, contaminating the ground extending far underneath his territories, and deposit it in a waste dump of his own designation. Yes, that was a trap. It would have vastly upset the power balance of the world and gotten you in trouble with Phirasma. Tetrahedral element six crystals are used by mortals to cast relatively powerful versions of their little magics. Zonkuthon's followers are using them to fight Asmodeus's followers now. If you move all the crystals that Zonkuthon's followers have and give them to Asmodeus's followers instead, the war will end significantly faster and also that will be enough wealth to pay Asmodeus's followers to do what you want them to do. Don't take any such crystals buried in the earth where mortals haven't uncovered them. That will get you in trouble. Just take the ones that mortals have already uncovered everywhere inside this region. Nidal I'm pointing out and move them someplace where some of Asmodeus's more dedicated followers, like his more powerful clerics, will find them. Milani has proposed a service. Is it acceptable to Asmodeus? Asmodeus supposes that, taking into account how this will shorten the war as well, it constitutes an acceptable payment. That was clever of Milani. Deal. Now where should she put them, after picking them up? Oh, her oracle happens to be next to some of Asmodeus's chosen mortals. That is convenient. Suddenly being surrounded by all of the mined diamonds from Nadal doesn't mean being buried. There simply isn't that much diamond in Nadal when spellcasters are always using it up. Why leave a diamond lying around just being a diamond forever when you could turn it into power for yourself? Diamond doesn't accumulate over time, quite the opposite. Nidal's current stocks, combat stores, private stashes, combat reserve stores, emergency reserves, emergency private stashes, final emergency reserves, and all other diamonds in Nidal don't actually end up massing all that much. A25, 000GP diamond is not a large object by the standards of anything except diamonds. Broom is nonetheless mildly startled by how many diamonds just fell onto the table in front of him while he was eating lunch. He wasn't really expecting any diamonds at all, let alone that many. Top priority message for Aspexia Rugaton. Yes, literal, actual top priority. Hot, why is the anomaly still outside the anomaly containment zone? Because it is going to take longer than literally six seconds 
for Asmodeus to communicate his desires to his followers, and for his followers to set up a new containment installation and an interdiction field. Ottomans has been tricked. Why did Ottomans trust Asmodeus? Asmodeus is not even trying to trick Ottomans. On this occasion, it just takes mortals longer than six seconds to do this correctly and while observing all anomaly-related safety precautions. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.